welcome. Today is Wednesday, the 21st of March, 2018. This is the 13th episode of Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue. That's me. As a reminder, you can reach out to me directly on Twitter at Mark Hogue. That's M-A-R-C-H-O-A-G. Of course, on LinkedIn. And if you're listening directly on the Anchor.fm platform, you can leave me a voicemail. I promise to get back to you so we can have a proper two-way discussion about all these topics. So today, lots to discuss. First and foremost, the risk versus benefit debate. Are autonomous cars worth it? Is the risk of life worth rolling out this new exciting technology? Next up, we'll be discussing in a bit more detail something we've discussed in the past. How will cities and states actually phase in autonomous cars throughout their streets and freeways? What will this mean for human-driven cars, including and especially the licensing requirements? And finally, we're going to close out with a request for your help, a favor, really. So stay tuned. Let's dive right in. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Right, so let's dive in and discuss this issue. Uh, ever since the autonomous Uber test vehicle struck and killed the pedestrian in Arizona, population now totally split. Are autonomous cars worth it? Are they, in fact, going to be safer than human-driven cars? On the one hand, you've got people who are saying, yes, we absolutely need this technology now rather than later. On the other hand, you've got people saying, no, absolutely not. Autonomous cars way too dangerous. Alternatively, I just want to drive my own car. So... I say it far more simply. Basically, as long as the risk of death uh, of autonomous cars is less than we currently have today, then obviously they must be pursued. So to put it a different way, if autonomous cars are likely to kill, I don't know, say 500 people per month in the US, that's still a huge improvement over the current dismal numbers where we suffer the loss of 3,000 lives every single month here in the U.S., if the number sounds familiar, again, that's how many people we lost during the 9-11 tax. So I, I don't think this needs to be some huge rocket science philosophical debate. Look, if some solution X results in a more optimal outcome than some solution Y, obviously X wins, even if it's not a zero value. Here, of course, having zero deaths is it would be super optimal, but that is not possible, not mathematically, not practically or otherwise. So that's the end of it. I don't think this needs to be a debate. Um, this is a really important point to consider when you really kind of zoom out and look at the big picture. Remember, your chances of dying in a car are approximately one in 5,000. This stands in stark contrast to, say, flying in an airplane where your risk of dying is one in 11 million. To put it a different way, turns out that being in an airplane is actually the safest place you can be anywhere within Earth's globe. That's a pretty shocking thing to think about. So again, back to the question of whether you know a certain degree of risk is okay in rolling out new technology. Well, it has to be okay. So one good example that was brought to my attention from the good folks over at Autoblog uh, in an article today, they 
they, they discussed the 19th century rollout of steamboat ships uh, on the rivers here in the U.S. So turns out that a lot of people were dying from boiler room explosions on these ships. I didn't know about this. So some pretty sobering numbers here. So between 1818 and 1824, for instance, turns out that 47 people died the result of 15 boiler explosions. Then in the following five years, 1825, 1830, there were 42 explosions that killed 273 people. One explosion in particular, apparently this was on the steamboat Helen McGregor near Memphis, Tennessee. This killed between 50 and 60 people. Well, this prompted then-President Andrew Jackson in his State of the Union message to Congress in 1833 to announce, quote-unquote, the many distressing accidents which have of late occurred in that portion of our navigation carried on by the use of steam power deserve the immediate and unremitting attention of the constituted authorities of the country. Well, that was sort of a roundabout very flowery sort of way of announcing that it was time to impose some pretty strict safety regulations, which, of course, they did. And, lo and behold, steamboat deaths finally declined. Here's the point. Boating today, like airplanes today, uh, and admittedly, even like cars, despite their still very high risk factor, are hugely safer to how they used to be when they first rolled out. Airplanes were basically falling out of the sky, boats were, well, blowing up apparently, and cars were basically just tin cans. I mean, people didn't have seatbelts, safety glass was sort of what you got if you simply opened the window, and, um, you know, well, look, there's a very, very good video you can find on YouTube, uh, I believe it's produced by Chevy, they take a modern-day Chevy Cruze, and they crash it into one of their, uh, one of their sort of larger vehicles back in the 1960s, I believe it is. Well, the little Chevy Cruze, I mean, obviously both cars are hugely deformed, but the 1960s car is, I mean, it's catastrophic. There is absolutely no way. It is physically impossible for a human to have survived it, whereas in the Chevy Cruze, the driver would be totally fine. The point is that once upon a time, all of these technologies were dangerous, and yet they were all rolled out. I'm sure... Plenty of people said when the first automobiles rolled out, hey, these are way too dangerous. Obviously, going by horseback is far safer. And yet, nevertheless, they pushed, persevered, and eventually the automobile won, much to the horse's disappointment. It's no different here with autonomous cars. It's the exact same thing. Yes, in the beginning of any new technology, of course it's going to be dangerous. Of course there's going to be loss of life. The issue is whether the end goal is worth it. Whether in the end of all this, we can reduce 3,000 deaths per month to something like 1,000 or, or, or 500 or 100. I mean, this would be a really huge improvement. And frankly, to argue any other way would just be asinine. So I really suggest this argument just be sort of put aside. There, there, there really is no other way about it. And um, yeah, that's the end of it. Let me know what you think, though, obviously. Uh, again, I'd love to have a two-way discussion on this, but uh, those are my thoughts on the matter. 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so next up, I want to discuss an email question submitted by Matthew Brashear. He's the founder of Fourscore.io. They are a community where users can ask and receive answers in the form of upvotes to determine the most popular answer to a given question. So he writes to me, and I quote, one thing I've heard very little discussion on is the notion that in the not-too-distant future, manually operating a vehicle without a specially issued driver's license will be illegal, close quote. Obviously, uh, we need licenses today to operate vehicles. He admits this with a laugh in his email. Um, The question really is, how is this going to change going forward? So I think we can take a pretty good guess just by looking at how Germany does things today. And indeed, most of the European countries, including and especially the Nordic countries, where it's very, very difficult to get your license. So in Germany, for instance, it takes anywhere between 20 to 45 hours $2,000 or more, and 12 hours of classroom theory instruction just to get your license. The point is, it's very, very difficult to get your license in Germany. Um, and even once you do have your license, it's very, very easy to, uh, to lose it, not just temporarily, but indeed even indefinitely. This, of course, all but unheard of here in the States, where driving is really regarded a fundamental human right rather than a privilege. So I think that's sort of safe to say that's going to That's sort of how it's going to be here. As fully autonomous cars roll out, it'll just become progressively more and more difficult to get and even to keep your driver's license once you have it. So Matthew then goes on to also question, what is the practical rollout of autonomous cars going to look like? How are the human-driven cars going to be sort of gradually phased off the streets? So I think the most likely scenario is this. In the next five to 10 years, we're going to see fully autonomous, autonomous cars take over the carpool lanes of freeways, and then little by little, all lanes of freeways. I think concurrently with this, we're going to see really dense urban cores of cities around the world start to roll out certain autonomous car-only streets and boulevards, the way that today we have pedestrian-only or public transit-only streets, before eventually converting all other streets in their urban cores to fully autonomous car usage only. Then, little by little, over the next 30 to 40 years, we're going to see more and more streets be restricted solely to fully autonomous cars, 50 to 75 years out, suburbs and exurbs will follow suit until eventually, make no mistake, fully autonomous cars will be the only way to get around human-driven cars deemed far too dangerous for any public streets anywhere at all in the country, and hopefully eventually in the world. Um, Really, only private property, racetracks, so on and so forth, that'll be the only place you can use human-driven cars. Really, it'll be no different to the way we interact with horses today. So Matthew, thank you so much for writing in. And just a reminder to everybody else, if you want to reach out, ask any questions, please be sure to do so. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, so if you remember at the start of the episode, I said that I had a favor to ask of you. Well, in our previous episode, we discussed Chrysler. And we discussed the incredible Ralph Gilles. Ralph, of course, is the Haitian-Canadian-American automobile designer and executive. Indeed, he's the head of design for all of Fiat Chrysler automobiles since April 2015. He's incredibly talented. His vision and guidance for transitioning Chrysler sort of out of, well, almost nothingness, oblivion, really, uh, into this new era of autonomous cars is a really impressive thing indeed. I'm sure you can see where I'm going with this. We need to get him on this show. I am statistically certain that at least some of you must be directly connected with him. I've tried on LinkedIn. He doesn't seem to be on there. I've, of course, tried on Twitter. Uh, But I really need your help if any of you would be good enough and willing enough to make a personal intro. Uh, I was going to say on my behalf, but really on our behalf, because wouldn't this be great, not just for me personally, but for all of us, for all of you who are apparently really enjoying listening to this show, I would love love to get him on board and to, to, to interview him to really get a sense for sort of his vision and his strategy looking forward, sort of what he has in store for Fiat Chrysler automobiles as a group, but also including and especially the individual products. Because again, I think what he's doing currently for Chrysler is really an incredible thing indeed. And I think it would be fantastic to get him on this show. So just a huge thank you in advance to any of you who would be willing and able to make such an intro, please do so. Let me know. This would be fantastic for all of us. Thank you so much. All right, so that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, please be sure to like and share this episode amongst your friends and colleagues. Twitter and LinkedIn are the best places to share it. Uh, Of course, if you're listening directly on Apple iTunes podcasts, please be sure to leave a star rating and any sort of feedback if you like. And if you're listening on Anchor.fm, don't forget you can leave voicemails. I promise to respond to each and every one of you so we can have a proper two-way discussion on this. And without further ado, again, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Until next time, bye-bye.